Yeah. Alex is being quiet, but he's taking okay, the risk. Okay, I'll do, I'll do it. it I'll do it. It, it works. You do it. You do it. Yeah. I can see him. Okay, <laughs> because like, it's weird because I actually have three different mic inputs to, to my computer. So there's yeah. like this one, which is the good one. There's the webcam mic. And then there's like, mm-hmm. like my earphones have this little little mic as well. Yeah. So sometimes like on the very rare occasion, I'll get the wrong one and it'll sound like ass. But most of the time, I hope it's this <laughs> right, correct one. I mean, you always sound beautiful and crystal clear from my end, so. Oh, thank you. Yeah. That's so a little peek behind the nothing to fear curtain, which looks suspiciously like in front of the nothing to fear curtain. <laughs> Speaking of peaks, I see them right now. Listen, we had a curtain guy coming, but he just hasn't been here, so it's just an empty stage. Yeah. <laughs> so, here we go. Okay. Did I cut all that out? Who knows? You'll have to listen. <laughs> all right. Nice Welcome, dude. everybody, to another episode of Nothing to Fear, a weekly horror movie podcast starring myself, Billy Schultz, your host, and my two b- very good friends and co-hosts, Alex Wan and Luke Mason. Every week, we watch a different horror movie, and we have a lot of fun, but I'm going to introduce my my friends, my co-hosts. You know them. <laughs> you know you love them. Luke Mason, say hello. Hello. Good, great. You're, you're nailing your mark. Alex Wan, you know him. <laughs> you also love him. Say hello. Well, thanks for loving me. I think it'd be a little less awkward if you opened up with a little question like, Luke, how are you? And then you'd be like, Luke, when's the last time you had Parmesan cheese? I don't know. Well, it's early. Not, I don't know. <laughs> you don't not know recently? <laughs> not recently. So within the last year, would you say you've had some Parmesan? Yeah, probably. Okay. Okay, are is we it... talking about are we talking about like sprinkled parmesan or like the actual parmesan that sometimes comes like with Caesar salad? Okay, well that that was what I was going to ask. Like are we yeah. talking about like the real parmesan cheese you go to an Italian restaurant and they like grate it fresh Does... and put it over your pasta or are you talking about like the Does... craft like foot shit that they put in a bottle? <laughs> Does chicken parm count? Cuz that's probably been the most recent. Billy, you are the resident cook in this Discord slash podcast. <laughs> Does <laughs> Does chicken parm count as parmesan? <laughs> they demand to know. The people demand to know, Billy. I mean, chicken parmesan, if you have parmesan cheese on it, then yes. I, I don't know why I feel like this is a trap. Like, you're going to be later like, gotcha. Billy thinks chicken is cheese. <laughs> look, look, it's very clear that even though you might be the intelligence of an Akbar, Alex and I are not the intelligence of an emperor. <laughs> <laughs> it's a trap. <laughs> there's, there's, there is no preordained springs set here. I gotcha. Oh, okay. I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. But very nice, very nice evasion of the question. Luke uh, doesn't want to answer whether or not he's had Parmesan cheese in a while. Alex, when was the last well, time you had Parmesan cheese? I don't remember. Cheese? <laughs> yeah, sure. A likely story. I believe the last time I had Parmesan cheese was the last time I went to Chianti's. If you know, you oh. know, right? Oh, yeah. If you know, you know. Was it $10 Sundays? <laughs> oh, yeah. I love, I love Chianti's. And the last time I went there was probably two and a half, three years ago. Mm, that's so a long time. So you've been Parmesan cheeseless for a quarter of a decade? Yeah, it's been a while since I've had Parmesan. Oh but gosh. Raclette had that pretty recently. Ooh, love a Raclette. Smoked hickory, always good. I sometimes, I like cheese. I'll sometimes just go buy a block of cheese and like <laughs> slice it up and just, you know, eat that. Yeah. No crackers needed. Sorry, you two can come, though. 
Why do you think you thought of Parmesan when it was something you haven't personally indulged in in so long? What do you think are the deeper-seated What are the deeper-seated things going on in your life that would bring that to the surface? Well, if you really want to analyze my brain, I was thinking about that Arrested Development episode with Gene Parmesan. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> He's so good. He's so He's good. So good. <laughs> so good. <sighs> well. Once upon a time, thank you. If you're still listening, congratulations. <laughs> You've made it through some of the bullshit. There's more to come. Once upon a time, this was a horror movie podcast, and mm. we have been going through horror movies that we've been too scared to watch, or mostly me me being too scared to watch them growing up. But this month, we've been working through our Halloween, but not the Halloween movies month, and it's my turn to pick, and I have chosen the 1981 film An American Werewolf in London. So, I only know about this movie through word of mouth, and because they talk about how the special effects for the time, for 1981, this was big, this was like a big horror movie special effects tour de force. And I didn't want to pick another slashery type movie, which we've done a lot of. I didn't want to, I was worried about something following Hush, which I liked so much. And I just want to see some like weird monster, weird 80s prosthetic and special effects and, and see how they hold up. And I've heard it's like quite a good story. So do either of you know about this movie? Luke, why don't you go ahead first and well, tell us I... the last time you had mozzarella also. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know the last time I had mozzarella again. I usually I'm more of a I'm like a cheddar and Monterey Jack with jalapenos sure. in it. Kind of. Right. Anyway. Okay. Not to mention every joke I tell is a little bit cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> you better believe it. They're Gouda. So I <laughs> definitely have heard of this movie. This is a famous movie. I've just never seen it. Mm-hmm. And the glib part of me wants to know. I'm excited to learn what part of this movie will be revealed that hasn't already been revealed in the title of the movie. But also <laughs> <laughs> the more... I guess, realistic or sincere part of me is like, well, okay, it's probably a big costume-based or prosthetic-based film. I have to keep reminding myself that it's not Teen Wolf, so I shouldn't expect Jason (laughs) Bateman to show up. (laughs) It's not Teen Wolf. (laughs) And yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I don't have really any expectations at all because I don't know anything about it other than that it's been a famous movie in the world. So... Yeah. Ooh, that's exciting. Alex, have you seen this movie? No, I haven't seen it. But like Luke, I've definitely heard of it. I think it's like if if you like movies, you've probably heard of someone mentioning this or reading this in like an article or something. So I don't know. Like when I think prosthetic werewolves or whatever, like or werewolves with lots of prosthetics and special effects, my mind goes to the original Fright Night. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like he turns into like that werewolf doggy thing. And then he has the very gruesome death, whatever character sure, that yeah. was called. Evil, Evil Ed, Evil Ned, Evil Ed, yeah, yeah, yeah. Evil Ed, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If I remember correctly, that was probably my my favorite or scariest part of the movie. I think so. Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know if the special effects in this are as any are as dog like as that scene. I, I'll I'll probably like it a lot. You know, similar to Luke, I'm not going to be. I don't think I'll be very surprised at what happens in the plot based on the title. Yeah. So. I think I'm going into this with like, I, I think that'll be interesting, like to see if they can make a good story out of something where you kind of have all these preconceived notions of what it's about. Mm. I'm going to assume mm-hmm. 
that you know most people speak english because they are in london so <laughs> i'll be glad to be able to understand the characters and you, you know <laughs> werewolves are something that we haven't explored very much in this podcast mm-hmm. um i think really it was just fright night and was he even a werewolf it was like a vampire no right? he was a vampire but the dracula story has that vampires can turn into wolves and and bats is more common, but wolves and like uh, fog and mist and other sorts of like spooky things. Well, that's really that interesting because from... that goes into a direct counter of what Stephanie Myers believes. So, well, mm, yeah. fr- from what I understand in the in the Twilight world, uh, werewolves and vampires are two completely different kinds of species. So it's mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see how yeah a were- an American werewolf in London can contradict such. <laughs> deep and founded literature it'll be like maybe the werewolf will be like wearing levi's and a kind of like jean jacket maybe and Mm. like have a hoverboard perhaps who knows it's not michael j fox it's not michael j fox (laughs) no i know but like why is it an american werewolf like what's the relevance of that in the werewolf because america belongs everywhere baby anyways i i wonder how much this movie influenced thriller because Mm-hmm. That happened in the '80s, right? If my math is correct, <laughs> and it usually is. Thank you. Yeah, I think I'm excited because we haven't done much in the werewolf sort of subgenre of horror movies, and we—it's one of the monster types that sort of looms large. I know Wolfman is a a bigger movie from like the in the 30s and the 40s and 50s or whatever i think they did those stories back then and and this one i'm interested to see because i do feel like it will feel familiar to other sort of pop culture that's referenced it in the 40 years since it's come out so it may feel like we've 81 yeah it may feel like we have seen this movie but it'll be interesting to kind of trace it back to the source material and be like oh that was what that futurama reference was or that was like from an episode of family guy or the simpsons or even you know even thriller video sure like maybe some of the special effects because all those things that are our generation specifically where we see so much stuff that is a reference to something much earlier in pop culture and it's always fun i think to sort of see where those origins start so that's what i'm excited for i don't know why people are so scared of werewolves they only come out once what? a month, you know, and it's pretty easy to predict when that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is a bizarre affliction that should be quite easily avoided, mm-hmm. but, you know, shit happens, oh, I guess. I, also, I wa- maybe this movie influenced Underworld, too. Those are cool movies in a really cheesy Ooh, way. So. <laughs> is that the one with <laughs> you Beckenschlail? Well... <laughs> I guess no? so. <laughs> Beck Beckinsale. Beckinsale. There's no there's no H's in that last name. I thought she was German. Schlale. How do you even spell Schlale? S C H. It's spelled exactly how it sounds, Luke. Yes. Maybe there will be we'll be able to see where the Underworld series came from, where the Twilight series got their their werewolf stuff from. Maybe even stuff as close to it as Teen Wolf, because was that also that was early nineties, late eighties, I believe, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Or Harry Potter yeah, I think makes it was, sense yeah. too. Yes. Yeah. And they and were in uh, the area that London is in. 
were. <laughs> just when you th- just when you thought our analysis couldn't get more mundane. We mundane. I don't want to say, you know, it's it's easy to be vague because if you make sweeping decla- declarative statements without any fallback room, that's that's how people are able to think that you are dumb. Mm, yeah, well, let's watch the best werewolf movie ever made, 100% guaranteed, <laughs> and we will we will head out into the trailer and we will spoil the movie. Again, you're welcome. We didn't spoil any of the movie up top, so <laughs> you've been adequately armed. And check out Does the Dog Die or Does the Werewolf Die? dot com mm. to find out any spooky, scary, triggery parts that may crop up. And I look forward to slightly more in-depth conversation after the trailer. <laughs> yes. Isn't this fun? Lovely stroll on the moors. Did you hear that? I heard that. What is it? You think it's a dog? Nice doggy. Good boy. What happened to them? Well, the police report said they were attacked by an escaped lunatic. A wolf. My friend Jack was just here. Ah! Told me that I will become a monster in two days. Your dead friend, Jack. Yes. Gotta believe me, David. Believe what? You're one of the undead, and I'm a werewolf. Tomorrow night's the full moon. You're gonna change. A what? You'll become... I know. I know. A monster. A naked American man stole my balloon. What? What did I do last night? You don't remember? The last remaining werewolf must be destroyed. It's you, David. Run! Good Lord. An American Werewolf in London is a 1981 horror comedy film written and directed by John Landis. The film stars David Naughton Jenny Aguter, Griffin Dune, and John Woodvine. The film's plot follows two American backpackers, David and Jack, who are attacked by a werewolf while traveling in England, causing David to question whether he will become a werewolf under the next full moon. Yeah, that's the synopsis, I guess. I was pretty accurate. Yeah, those pretty things happen. Causing David to wonder if he'll become a werewolf. Yeah, I guess so, but there's a lot of... A lot more screaming. There's a lot more screaming. All right, well, let's get into it. I picked this movie. This one is my responsibility, y'all, so I can't wait to hear what we think about it. But I have to say, I should have taken it as a clue to the editing and the the pacing of this movie when the credits rolled at the start and they played that entire, like, five-minute song because I had time to not only microwave my leftovers for lunch but also make a bowl (laughs) of popcorn before anything happened on the screen. And, yeah, that happened a lot of times in this movie. (laughs) This movie was really surprising. This movie, I mean, it it was an American werewolf, and he was in London, so it checks both the boxes of the title. But there was a a couple parts that surprised me, a couple parts that made me 
feel shocked. And then I actually laughed a couple times in this movie because I found some of it quite funny. And yeah, without going into any of the plot details, what did you think about it, Alex? This was a... Yeah, this was a movie. Like you, I was shocked a few times. I was grossed out a few times. I was surprised. I laughed a few times. And then also I was bored a few times. Like this this movie kind of had everything in it. And I'm 100% certain that this is not intended to be a serious movie at all, which is why, you know, I can, I, th- I feel like I could forgive it for a lot of the things. It's the same guy that made all the La- National Lampoon movies. So... Right. It's, it's kind of clear that this is supposed to be very silly and tongue-in-cheek. But at the same time, I was, like, I think one of the biggest positives of this movie were the, like, the special and practical effects. They looked so good. All the makeup, all that stuff was The transformation very, was awesome. Yeah, very impressive for a movie made in 1981. So I think that was, like, probably my favorite part of the movie, watching all, like, the the different kinds of makeup and special effects. And then there was no story in this movie. It was an American werewolf in London. And yeah, like I am impressed, but also very indifferent about this movie, I think. Sure. Sure, And like, yeah, like I I literally just finished watching this movie four minutes ago. (laughs) So that I have, I have had zero time to debrief my thoughts on it right but yeah those are those are kind of the initial feelings (laughs) sure i can't wait to to get into it but the fact that you said john landis made this movie and and he was the one who did the national lampoon movies that makes a lot of sense because this movie kind of felt like sketches like it felt like a bunch of loosely related sketch comedy bits not even comedy but like sketch horror if that's a thing like there's a scene on the moor there's a scene in the spooky pub there's like the seen in piccadilly circus later and an insane truly insane car crash at the end of the movie did you know was <laughs> did you know john landis also directed the music video for thriller did he <laughs> yeah so i guess wow. that answers our question there we go all right luke what did you think of an american werewolf in london well of every movie we've done this one might be the most dead dove movie yet i think you don't know what you're expecting (laughs) we watch an american werewolf in london maybe expecting something more and then at the end we're like well i don't know what i was expecting (laughs) (laughs) jokes on me i guess yeah yeah this movie is right down the middle of the strike zone it's totally fine there's nothing like horribly wrong with it and there's nothing really horribly good about it except some of the practical effects, which I actually was, my disappointment with them was that they weren't in the movie more because they were by far and away the best part of it. So I would have liked mm-hmm. to have seen more of those effects, both the werewolf transformation as well as some of Jack's kind of like <laughs> costume, I guess. I don't know <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> what to call it exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think this is the kind of movie that if it had happened in our first 20 episodes i'd criticize it pretty heavily but Mm, because we're doing it now and we've seen movies like this kind of and it's like 
it doesn't age very well, I don't think, in the sense of like its sensibilities for the audience watching it. But not all lots of movies don't age well for the sensibilities of the people watching it, so that's not like unique to the film kind of thing. Most of the problems with this movie are very much like era dependent, I think. And we've gone over a lot of and that I kind think of stuff. Cultural dependent too, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Eight, 1980s humor in England and in America are like completely different animals and like it, it reminded me a lot of weird Monty Python-esque like British humor mm-hmm. you know sorry to cut you off though yeah no no you're right I mean it's, there's like a ham-fisted joke in there about like the cultural difference between America and England and how brash the Americans are and how genteel <laughs> but also kind of rural the Brits are and then there's like maybe some sub subcultural motifs going on between like the London type of person and the rural England type of person, which is like, yes, fine. But <laughs> like these things are all just thrown on the marquee. They're not subtle. So they're not even that interesting because that's like, again, part of the title It's like, why is it an American werewolf? Like how the fuck is a werewolf American? Well, it's only American because, these guys have like slightly more brash attitudes than you might find in England otherwise, right? Like it's just it's right. just so on the nose. So yeah, like I don't know. I'm interested to hear what the two of you think about this movie, and I will probably respond to that because I really didn't get much out of this movie. Well, there was one major thing, but it's like more about this kind of movie than this movie specifically. So I can talk about that later. But I did realize something I haven't, I've talked around a lot before, but I feel like I can articulate an exact thing I don't like about these kind of movies. Ooh. But we can get to that later. Like, again, this movie's Ooh, totally, sizzle. totally fine. And I will probably forget all of, I, I've kind of already forgotten over half the film already. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that sticks in your mind about the American werewolf in London is not the dialogue. It's not the set pieces. It's the transformation scene and Jack's makeup, who is this like undead sort of voice of David's consciousness, maybe Jiminy Cricket. If it, if Jiminy mm-hmm. Cricket was a zombie, you know, that we get to see decay on screen. And that with an attitude, what? <laughs> with a sassy American attitude. <laughs> And, like, that's what you remember and the yeah. non-stop orgy <laughs> and a non-stop orgy truly this film had it all five stars <laughs> then best film as soon as this movie started though when they're it opens with david and jack who are these two american backpackers who are just walking around the north of england they're on some sort of vacation and they go to the slaughtered lamb pub which is this tiny tiny pub town and as soon as they go in there and everyone's talking i was like Alex said that he would be able to understand all the language in this movie. No, I did not. So many (laughs) thick farmer northern accents just coming out of these people for the first like 20 minutes. I was like, oh, no, I'm having a hard time keeping up and I have a pretty good ear for accents. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, let's talk about the opening. The slaughtered lamb, the moors, stay off the moors, stay on the road. They don't listen to that. Who saw that coming? What are our thoughts around that? Yeah, right? (laughs) Make sure you boys don't go off the road. Okay, here's a legitimate critique of this movie that I jokingly referenced in the beginning, but it's like, don't 
like don't name your movie the main point of the movie like it's just so there's so many other names you could give like fright night is called fright night not my neighbor is a vampire right like (laughs) (laughs) right like it's just like have a better title because and and again i'm joking but that whole intro scene of the two of them in the pub when they're leaving and the one bartender says don't let let them them go go. we can't let them go right in a better written movie there's some ambiguity in the in the audience watching of like what are the intentions of these people right now because obviously their intentions are to protect them from the werewolf not go track them down and take them prisoner kind of thing but there's an ambiguity there in a movie with a different title that you don't know what it's about but as soon as it's about an American werewolf in London, you're like, there's no tension here. It's like the title of the movie has r- totally denuded this scene of tension for me. So there's a real critique. <laughs> the only tension is if it's going to be Jack or David, who's the werewolf. Yeah. Right? Like, which one of them is going to be we the have werewolf? These, and... We have these creepy people in a pub that are behaving not very normally. If we don't know exactly what this movie's about... It could be some weird culty British film about these people who take these Americans prisoners, right? Not mm-hmm. that they're trying to protect them. So, but but they're doing it in the least protective way, right? Like if they really yeah. want to protect them from their werewolves, then wouldn't the impetus to be like, "Hey, great, stay here the night, don't go back on the roads." Instead, they're just like, "You know what? Get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. God be with you and good luck. Stay on the road." Anyway, mm-hmm. we've done all we can. It's like, no, you did less than you could have You've done the yeah. opposite. But I just think that's opposite. a that's a good example of how the meta-awareness of a film doesn't help the film at all in some of its scenes. See, now I just want to have other movies we've done have like a, a very obvious title. Like, what if Hereditary <laughs> was called like, Payment Needs a Sacrifice. <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. Like, yeah, we could, <laughs> you know what? We should do a bonus episode where we just go through every single movie we've done and name, <laughs> name it like An American Werewolf in London. There's, you got, what like, about Cabin in the Woods? What's that about? <laughs> <laughs> so, well, see, but see, that movie is very intentionally not supposed to have like deep tension. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But I wonder if, like, this movie, An American Werewolf in London, if this movie exists in a time when, we obviously don't watch it in 1981, but in a time, the tension isn't something that people are, like, after so much, and, like, a movie Mm. like this gives rise to something later on, like uh, The Cabin in the Woods, Yeah, where it's, like, everyone's had the thought of, like, well, of course, you're just telling us what the movie's about in the title. And that's Again, kind of like spoiling it. Era dependent, it right? Yeah, yeah. Era yeah. dependent. I don't know. I th- very I think era like dependent. Sometimes you can have a title be very literal for what the movie is, and maybe in the you know writer's mind they were like, it's about the way you say it. So instead of saying it confidently, like an American werewolf in London, it was maybe in the writer's mind it was more like an American werewolf in London. You know, kind of questioningly, it's like, I don't know, will this happen? Will it not? You'll see in the first 15 minutes. It's more likely than you think. (laughs) My only real, like, narrative critique on that, and this movie, whatever, there are other movies that do this too, though, is like, if you are going to have a literal title of your film, it doesn't really land well to also try to create some tension about what could be happening in the movie, right? I just didn't feel like that. How about The Empire Strikes Back? We know what happens. 
Yeah, but see, strike, <laughs> Strikes Back is a little bit less like exact than a werewolf in London. If Empire Strikes Back was like American Werewolf in London, it would be the title of the film would be Vader is Luke's dad and he cuts off his arm and freezes Han Solo. <laughs> that would be the name of the movie. <laughs> Episode five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Back to the American Werewolf in London. The the like the start of it when they're in the pub. It was it had that very strong feeling of like fish out of water. You know when when you were a tourist and like you heard stories of people who did go across to to Europe or go to America and like be completely out of their element. And I thought as ham-fisted as it was like when the boys go to the slaughtered lamb which is this like spooky (laughs) english pub that doesn't even have a lamb on the picture it's just got a wolf's head on a spike and they're like yeah this place is fine." that's where they couldn't be literal (laughs) yeah they go into this pub and like it's full of just like rough and tumble salt of the earth british farmers it's like complete record scratch and they are immediately like othered by every single person in here but they're only there until they're like, okay, well, now we're awkward enough, so I guess we'll go. And now the like now the wolf is out and chasing mm-hmm. them down the moors. And hilariously, and so, all of those all of those locals would rather they became werewolves than may, remain Americans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the real yeah. point of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> what was the town's name? East. I'm already forgetting. It's like a dream. It's like I'm trying to remember a dream. <laughs> there are a few of East those. Something. Yeah, <laughs> oh boy. But like, yeah. So it seems like there's werewolves that have been plaguing this town for years, and they've just kept it secret. And they all sort of know it's like this open secret in the town that, like, oh yeah, there's werewolves, and nobody goes out at night. But we won't do anything about it because it didn't. It didn't seem like the werewolves were very difficult to kill either. Like, no, it didn't. That see, that was the curious <laughs> part about this. It's like, just shoot them. They just just shoot him, right? And it's like no silver bullet needed, no special Abraham Lincoln vampire hunter character needed. It was just regular <laughs> old English dudes. Does just does he kill werewolves like in that movie too? I don't know. I don't know if he oh. kills werewolves. That's not important okay. to my point. Tune in next week. <laughs> <laughs> right. But like, yeah, it was yeah. like And then the the part the part of the movie when all the limbo corpses are telling David how he needs to like end his own life and giving him different ideas. They're like, these are all just, they're no, they're not really any special ways to die. It's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's as if it's killing a human. So I don't know, like this, this town that has kept the secret for so long and they know that these werewolves are dangerous. Like, I feel like at at some generation, there would have been like some kind of town posse that went out and hunted the last hunted the last werewolf, and there wouldn't have never been a movie made. Yeah, right. I mean, maybe maybe if we want to be generous at all to this movie, maybe they had been doing that, and they were just like, it's it's the last werewolf tonight's the night. We're all gathering in the slaughtered lamb to get ready <laughs> to do our last werewolf hunt, and then they're like. Americans come up and annoy them so much that they're just like, you know what? Fuck you guys. Go to hell. <laughs> but I don't even understand but, why they were so yeah. annoyed. He, he was annoyed because he asked a question that made him miss the dart. Did on the you dartboard. see their jackets? Did you see their jackets? <laughs> so, yeah, they were blue and red. So bright. <laughs> green and red. Was it green and red? Oh. It was green and red. <laughs> Clearly yeah, we were, remember were, this movie. <laughs> this was memorable. <laughs> They were the loudest colors, like loudest physically, like by just like their 
the way they took up space, the way they moved around, the way, the way they spoke, but also like yeah, their costumes. Everybody else was dressed like in brown and gray, and they hated them because they're Americans. So I guess that's reason enough for them to get killed by werewolves. But then also like patch the guy up and send him off to a hospital in London. And then they're just like, well, we think he might have been attacked by a werewolf and he'll change in a month, but I guess we better not tell anyone. Okay, off you go to London then. Bye-bye. Yeah. The moral compass of the townsfolk was wildly inconsistent, right? They're like, we know werewolves that live and we know it's a full moon, but we're going to send you out. But then... As we send you out, we're like, damn, we shouldn't have sent you out, so I guess we'll go after you, and then we're going to shoot the werewolf and kill the werewolf that kills you, and then we know that werewolves exist, so we know that when a werewolf bites somebody and they survive, they're going to become a werewolf, so we know this guy's still alive, so, you know, we could all just, like, we we already show that we have no problem just killing werewolves, so we're going to leave this guy who's a werewolf and send him into the city, instead of just ending it here and now for for finality, but I don't know, I think we're, we're we're putting a little bit too much thought into this horror comedy film. Absolutely we are. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> okay, w- one final thought before we move into like the stuff in London, anything in there. The scene, I really enjoyed the scene between David and Jack when they're just sort of walking down the road and he's trying to get him to like tell the knock-knock joke, but he's doing it poorly. It just gave me very strong happy nostalgic vibes of when we would work at summer day camps and like deliberately messing up knock knock jokes with kids and just like telling (laughs) telling jokes in the way that got them like irritated (laughs) was some of the best times (laughs) for summer camps and so that made me feel nice and happy because i was like oh i enjoyed those days (laughs) yeah so then we get to london jack is dead david has been mauled he's been in a coma for three weeks and nobody seems to care at all the the fact of like the way people deliver the exposition in this movie in a way that nobody could care even less if they tried like i don't know if it was like the british sort of stiff upper lip like just the facts ma'am type of thing but everyone seems to just be like oh yeah he's been out for three weeks anyway he's awake now he'll be released tomorrow it's like that's This guy's did got you, trauma. This guy's got. <laughs> did you also notice too that that doctor only started to take David's story seriously the moment he had the least reason to? <laughs> he was <laughs> like, just, look, he was in the he neighborhood, had, so he decided he had, like, to stop by. Physical evidence of clearly non-human marks on David's body mm-hmm. and Jack's body that had been mauled with even in 1981, you could you could have enough forensics to know that he never saw Jack's like, body though. Oh, okay. Well, still, he saw David's body. David is awake and remembering and telling what's happened. And all through this time, the doctor's like, mm-hmm. eh, probably not. And then as soon as David's <laughs> yeah. gone and it's over, he's like, you know what? Maybe. And I was just like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to call that even. It's like a detective is like least interested in the story when there are mountains of evidence in front of them. And then as soon as there's no evidence, you're like, you know what? I'm going to go check it out. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah, that that doctor character was certainly something. Just like the way he was so in and out like oh you were attacked by a lunatic that's all it could have been and he's like no it's a checks out an animal. and they're like nope just a lunatic off i go anyway here i am in my office like dodging calls 
telling somebody who wants like a meeting with you, like he tells his secretary at one point, just tell him I've died. And like, yeah. that's what <laughs> he, and he makes another line. What was it? He's on the phone and it's like the end of a conversation where he says, well, I've survived Rommel. I can survive him. So like this character, the doctor has been given this like sort of army background, survived world war two, clearly has seen it all and has no time for it. But then as soon as he's got a weekend off or something, he's like, well, I might just go drive out to the country and see what's all what what this is all about. And <laughs> Yeah, it's almost like he's bored. Yeah. <laughs> like, now that yeah. I'm bored, I'm going to go check this story out. <laughs> Maybe he, you know, he took, he, he signed off his last form. He put the pen back in the skull that he had on his <laughs> desk that held pens. And then he was like, well, now what? Hmm, I guess... I could probably go for a drive. Maybe I'll do that. I'll put it to you this way. It felt a little bit more a contrivance of the plot than a sincere character development on his part. Well, I don't think any of the characters were supposed to be sincere. Like, there were zero sincere characters in this movie. Yeah. Not a single one. Like, the most, also, I, I feel like the most rational. That little kid. No. Mommy. Mommy. No. Go ahead, go, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, oh, you're talking about another kid? I thought you were talking about the no kid. Oh, the no kid. No. No. That kid is cute. No. No. No, the kid did the get his balloon stolen. Oh, the, that kid. The zoo kid, yeah. Yeah, zoo kid. Sorry, conti- continue on with your thought, Alex. <laughs> yeah, like, there's no rational characters in this movie. The most <laughs> rational, seemingly most rational person would be the stupid American embassy diplomat. <laughs> yeah. Did you know who that was, though? Do you know who played that that part? Who was that? That was our buddy Frank Oz. That was none other than Master Yoda himself. Oh, and Grover. Fozzie Bear and Grover and <laughs> Miss Piggy. Yeah. 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 Speaking of Miss Piggy, <laughs> there, was was... Little, there was a little bit of Muppets in this movie, too, <laughs> oh, right? Yeah, good this point. movie had everything it had Muppets and pornography. <laughs> the whole spectrum. And Uzis <laughs> and werewolf esque SS guards Maybe shooting Uzis. We haven't even talked about the dream sequences yet, but like, <laughs> suffice it to say, the part where he's in the hospital recovering is some of the most boring parts of the movie. Like where they're just basically like wasting time for the last week before the full moon because like mm-hmm. he died, he doesn't die. Jack dies. He gets like taken. He's been in coma for three weeks. We all know how long a month is, so he's got a week to kill before transformation happens. And most of the scenes when he's not having insane evil dead-esque dreams he's just sort of like lying around in the hospital and meeting sort of one-off characters the nurses come in we meet alex price who is like the love interest of this movie and then the other nurse who has a couple little lines about checking out his junk when he was unconscious and then we get to see frank oz do his grover impersonation and then he's gone he's just like well i'm from the embassy and you seem like you're too mad to to be rational and i don't care about your friend but it, listen if you're going to be upset about your friend dying i just can't help you good day and they're just like what the fuck is going on in this movie <laughs> mixed with the most insane dream sequences i've seen in a movie in a long time mm-hmm. so yeah <laughs> yeah those were something huh if you are Nazi werewolves with Uzis, why the fuck do you knock? What sort of lo- like? Oh my gosh, we it'll be inadmissible to shoot them unless we've like made ourselves known first. I just didn't yeah. Think well, that. it's it's part that of the, uh, the law, that right? You can't enter unless invited, and I guess an open door is technically an invite. Is that true You're for werewolves? Of Draculas. 
I'm speaking for the Nazi werewolves. Oh, I see. Yeah. I am the Lorax. So, yeah. I speak for the Nazi werewolves. Well, you know what? I am coming out strongly against Nazi werewolves. And I don't yeah, you know what? Knows. You're right. I do not wish to speak oh, so for the Nazi brave. werewolves anymore. Please remove me from your spokesperson list. You know, I have to say, the more we talk about this movie, the more I feel like this movie is just one big joke. It's well, I think it joke. is, yeah. Like, I don't think you're supposed joke. to take Absolutely. this seriously at all. It's just, it's weird. It's yeah. it's all over the place. It's got everything. Absolutely. And that should have been the title. The listener one big joke. Who hasn't, <laughs> for the listener who hasn't watched the movie, the Nazi werewolves we're talking about are part of David's dreams that he's been, that he has like occasionally off and on where he's either imagining that he's running through the forest. He, there's a scene of him running naked through the forest and killing a deer. And then there's a scene with his family, like watching TV and a bunch of misshapen prostheticized half werewolf monsters dressed as Nazis kill his whole family. And I get that that was supposed to be like maybe a metaphor or like this is what's happening inside him. He's he's changing the the werewolf <laughs> disease is taking hold or whatever. But it was just like what the fuck. <laughs> I always knew werewolves it was were fascists. So weird. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, but we we did get a Kermit the Frog cameo when they're watching mm. the Muppets on TV and the werewolves burst in kill everybody and burn his house down and then he wakes up and he's like oh i had such a scary dream and then the nurse is there and she's like i know what'll help opening the curtains and then there's another nazi werewolf behind the curtain that stabs her to death and you're like oh my god double dream (laughs) just like why why was why was there an inception you know what you could really yeah you could really see christopher nolan being inspired by this film (laughs) chris nolan being like but what if i made the sound worse This was not a horror movie. This no, this was not a horror movie. This wasn't a horror movie. This, this is a funny. But this is a funny movie. Let's talk about Jack when he reappears the first time, and how gross the makeup and how awesome the makeup was on his corpse. Because David starts saying Jack, this fa- this undead in limbo. messenger, I guess, in limbo. Who first Jack was my favorite looks- Jack horrible the first jack was awesome his like throat is all slashed the neck up and flap just out. like <laughs> jiggling around while he's talking like that looks so cool it was really gross and it yeah. it looked great like the makeup it's fantastic yeah high marks on that one the like claw the slashes across like his eye and his nose and then like the blood all over his clothes just like yeah i loved how nonchalant he was about it it reminded me of the dead guy in pet cemetery mm, yes yeah right there's something just so fun about, or not fun, I would say like something just different about watching someone who is seemingly just mauled and in so much disfigurement just casually eating toast with eggs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and having a normal conversation, like not screaming in pain, not like deep breathing, not gasping, just like talking like we're talking right now. I think that's like that was a cool effect. And I think it really made the makeup be extra pronounced because it was so, as Luke would like to say, so uncanny. And Mm. I think it worked really good in this movie. Just the appearances of Jack getting more and more corpse like. Mm -hmm. More like he shows up three times in the film. He gets more rotted and desiccated each time. The last time it's got to be some sort of puppet. You know, because his like skull is mostly showing. Mm-hmm. But it, it another thing, like 
the way he's talking is so conversational and so casual. But what he's saying is essentially like, hey, David, by the way, you have to kill yourself. Like, you know, he's just like, this is what you got to do. You know, he might as well have been like, hey, can you pick up my dry cleaning? By the way, if you want to not hurt people, you have to die. Anyway, do you want to go to a movie later? Like, he's just, and it was just like so shocking to hear somebody so, like talking so cavalierly about like, yeah, David, you're a monster now. You have to die. Sorry. That's it. That's all. <laughs> That's it. That's all. But I like Jack. Jack was probably one of my favorite parts of this movie. Yeah, I like Jack. I also like the boobs. There are a lot of boobs in this movie. <laughs> It wouldn't be an 80s horror movie if there wasn't some boob, you know? The whole yeah. romance between David and Alex was... I mean, it could happen. I'm not going to say I, it can I mean, happen. It could happen. I mean, <laughs> the fact that he has, like... He's just seen Jack, and he's like, I am going to turn into a werewolf in two days, and I need to be taken out. And her response is like, Hey, do you have somewhere to live while you're in London? Like, <laughs> that's the... <laughs> Just this disconnect between the words he's saying and what she wants because she's so attracted to him. Like, I get it. He was a handsome guy. But, like... It's a sketch comedy show, right? Exactly. We needed him. We needed to have a very long shower and then bedroom sex scene because, as I pointed out in the chat, it's been a few minutes since we've seen one in a horror movie. Mm -hmm. Like a good long time. Apparently it was more graphic, but it got cut out so that it could have an R rating. Oh, they cut it down to get to an R rating? What yeah. is... I wonder... Oh my like God. an NC-17 would be the out. next yeah. one? Or I don't know what was back in the 80s, like X? Was there ever like a single X or double X film? Because I know Triple X was Triple X, yeah, like, had Vin Diesel in it, right? Is... Yeah, of course. Of course. Mm. <laughs> Xander Cage. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, what could they... Wow, that must have been way more graphic than... Because, jeez. It wasn't that bad. It was pretty tame. I mean, it might have been a little bit more shocking for 1981, but nothing I haven't seen before. Right, Luke? (laughs) I can attest to the fact that Alex has seen those things before. (laughs) Good friends. This is what friends are for. (laughs) Yeah, honestly, those scenes scenes were so boring. (laughs) Because they're just so long. Like, those kind of scenes in the movie just went on way... Like, we get it. Yeah, still get it. And that... Like, there were were about five or six of those in the movie where they just went on and on and on. I was like, you've made your point. I get it. Why is this still happening? It it felt like they had gotten the rights to the moon songs they wanted to use because they had, Mm -hmm. like... They they must have just, like, went, like, any song that has moon in the title, we're using it. And they got the rights to it. And then they were like, you know, we have to play the entire song from start to finish. So they just kept all the, like, stuff that would have been cut out. It was like, guys, we would have gotten that you're doing moon dance after two verses. We don't need the whole, like, (laughs) three minutes of song or whatever. Like, yeah, let's go. (laughs) But if you get the the rights to the entire song, you got to use it, right? You gotta use the whole thing. Yeah, you're getting your get your money's worth, but there was some good tracks in this one. I love that Bad Moon Rising was a pick of theirs. That was it's good stuff. You alright, Luke? I'm gonna quickly log off log off and then log back on because it's more fun to see. Alright. Ooh, he's back. There we go. He's there back. We go. From outer space. Just walked in with that look upon your face. Which I can see because your camera works. Mm. 
So yeah, we're talking about the Moon songs. You got any thoughts about the the soundtrack of this one, Luke? Well, Moon Dance and Bad Mood Rising are great songs. They're really, really great songs, and I always enjoy listening to them. But they just accompanied scenes that were so unnecessary in a way that I didn't even get why they were funny or like what was the point of them. So they just ended up being... Because they have the word moon in the title. And as we all know, a full moon, the werewolves come out, which is one of my questions. As I'm not as talking I'm aware... about the songs. Oh. <laughs> talking about the scenes. Oh. The scenes, yeah. The scenes, scenes that accompanied the songs were so like superfluous. They went on for so long and then nothing changed. It's just like, okay. Oh, we yeah. got an extra butt yeah. shot. I guess so. <laughs> Go ahead, ask your question about the, the, the full moon or whatever. I, I actually no, don't know this as a fact, but out of all cycles of the moon, there's only one night where it's an actual complete full moon, right? Yes. So how come he transformed into a werewolf back-to-back nights? <laughs> well, second so, night, he was only nine-tenths a werewolf. Yeah. <laughs> so in this universe, there are degrees of transformation. Duh. Well, okay, so the only <laughs> the only piece of pop culture that I can find that backs up this is the hit television show Buffy the Vampire Slayer when Seth Green's character Oz gets bitten by a werewolf. He actually has three nights on which he transforms, the night before the full moon, the actual full moon, and the night after the full moon. Mm. So I have heard like that can also be some werewolf time, like it's around the full moon, but... Yeah, the fact that the whole movie they talk about how you transform on the full moon and then they even go to say that like, oh, there's a full moon tonight. And then the very next night they're like, it's a full moon tonight. And I was like, oh, I guess there was just a double full moon. Okay. It's a double full moon. <laughs> the answer is it doesn't matter because they needed him to be a werewolf twice. So they just had him be a werewolf twice. And they but... they didn't have enough filler for another full month, right? Yeah, they're like, well, we could have him wandering around london for a whole month but i guess that's a bit long so we'll just have it be a second full moon but like the the whole bad moon rising song that's played is mostly him being bored in the apartment and then (laughs) after the song is over after the song is completely over and he's just reading a book then the change starts like that like it happens so quickly he's like sitting and then the next second he's just screaming and pulling his clothes off and you're like Whoa, okay, talk about, like, whiplash. <laughs> if they had shown, like, all through the Bad Moon Rising stuff, he maybe he's wearing, like, a button-up shirt, and then he takes that off because he's getting hot, or he's, like, you know, he's, like, scratching or something. Like, show more of the change, like, occurring throughout the day, but it goes from zero to werewolf in less than a movie frame, which is But just, isn't that what happens in real werewolf lore? It's just zero to 100? Maybe. I don't know. Like, Any the transformation... experts out there? <laughs> Yeah, if you're listening and you're a lycanthrope expert, let us know. But but then the scene where he's transforming and the like hand is stretching out and the feet are stretching out and his face is stretching out, those are all very cool, very spooky effects for 1981. And I'd love to know how they did it. But then the fully transformed werewolf looked silly. <laughs> yeah, there there was some there was a handful of like the thing vibes in this movie, which was cool. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my favorite part, I would say. Which I think was Stan Winston too, right? Stan. Maybe. Who that? I'm looking it up. Stan Winston. Makeup. Makeup. Stan Winston School. He did lots of makeup and stuff. Special effects makeup. 
creator, best known for his work on the Terminator series, the first three Jurassic Park films, Aliens, the first two Predator films, Inspector Gadget, Iron Man, and Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> oh, this was uh, Rick Baker. <laughs> Rick Baker! Okay, so not Stan Winston. I'm cutting that out. No, I'm but not. But Rick Baker did things such as The Exorcist, King Kong, ah. Star Wars. Ooh. Never heard of it. Hmm. Which one? <laughs> New Hope. Ooh. Thriller. Harry and the Hendersons. Yep. Gremlins 2. Mighty Joe Young. <laughs> oh, that was a good movie. Planet of the Apes. The okay, Nutty okay. Professor. Tropic Thunder. <laughs> and the, the Ring. Melting Man. Ah. Oh. So there we go. Oh, Dr. Seuss's How the, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> That's a scary movie. <laughs> All right. So anyway, the effects were scary. The effects were yeah, it was and a cool scary. scene. It was like the best part of the movie was like anytime Jack showed up or anytime like the transformation scene or anytime that there was like a dream sequence or any kind of gore. Like those were the best parts of the movie. Mm-hmm. And I guess Even... it's it seemed like like the director John Landis found this really cool makeups makeup special effects person, and that person was showed John some of his work or some of their work and was like hey check out all this cool shit i can do and john's like yeah that looks fucking awesome i'm let's make a movie based off of this this and this and picked like three different masks and was like all right we'll make a we'll write a jumbled mess and we'll kind of fit all this in somehow and when it happened it was really fucking cool well much like the porno film they watch in most of its length in this movie the like the dialogue and the acting parts are really just served to Fill time before the like money shots, and mm-hmm. so maybe that's what this the this money shots. <laughs> you know what though? A lot of characters' fear in this movie could have been foregone if Jack and then even David would just go up to would be victims and say, "Look, you're not going to die. You're just going to become this sort of pseudo corpse in limbo and become a big smart ass." That's actually all that's going <laughs> to happen to you. <laughs> like, oh, okay, well, that's not as bad as I thought. <laughs> all right then like it's very very british and very proper but yeah so i guess in this world if you die an unnatural death you become a creature in limbo and also the only thing that counts as unnatural death is werewolf mauling Mm -hmm. and you become a smart ass that is a huge, huge component that is required. I feel like Jack was always a smart ass, though. It didn't take a gruesome mauling death to make him that. Yeah, but all of That's the vic- all of the victims became smart asses. Yeah, I mean, they could have been much development on their end. We didn't know if they were like that before, right? That's true. It just it seems like a non-random sample. It's true, That's or true. a random like sample. The, I mean, the, the couple that he kills <laughs> in the first night he transforms. When they're like at the dinner party, like he kills the couple who's going to the dinner party, and then he like kills the other guy at the dinner party, and he's just like lazily walking through the woods with a full drink in his hand. Just like that was another one where I was like, is this supposed to be like dry British comedy wit where they're like, oh, I guess I've got to go looking in the woods now. Like it's just so, <laughs> so random and so weird. All the like the ways that they contrive to get people close enough to the werewolf to kill them especially mm-hmm. that and the the man in the tube station which okay <laughs> yep <laughs> yeah that scene I, uh... felt kind of long when he's chasing him through the subway well it's a long tube 
why was he in like good survival run mode until he got to the escalator? Because he lost all his his briefcasey stuff. His little briefy case opened up. <laughs> and it just doesn't feel like a good enough reason to give up. Quit shaming, yeah, a, like... quit shaming a victim of a werewolf attack, Luke. <laughs> well, was he I dressed just... too well? Is that why he got attacked? <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't think that was relevant to the werewolf's desire to I mean, like, ravage. people can die or however they want, you know? Maybe he just That's got true. tired. But he, I think the point was he didn't want to die, though. I don't think anybody would want to get mauled by a werewolf. It's not like something you well, choose. So, But then why did he start successfully avoiding it and then just like stop because he tripped and then i guess maybe he rolled his ankle maybe yeah. he was just like i can't get away i'm too scared too too much <laughs> werewolf is coming well, i have to say i find yeah. that an unconvincing reason <laughs> <laughs> well that's your right that's your right but and i don't care who yes. knows <laughs> you don't know you don't care who knows but we did get a little bit of foreshadowing in that scene with like just the two while being papered with ads for See You Next Wednesday, quote, a nonstop orgy, mm-hmm. which is the porno film that is playing. And Wendy's. On the last night. This they had a Wendy's and burger. It's, <laughs> it's like repeating. It felt like the Flintstones, you know, going up that escalator. It's like the same four posters just over and over and over. I saw an ad for <laughs> Airplane, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will say, though. I've been to London. I've taken those tube escalators, and they are very long. They're like insane. Is it called the Metro? Escalators. It's called the Tube, or the Oh, it's called the Tube. What's the Metro? Yeah, it's the same. The metro thing. is the subway here. That's what it's called in Montreal. It's we metro. don't have a subway here. Le metro. Oh, Montreal, Montreal. Yeah, I don't. How's the steak spice there? Anymore. It's delicious, but. <laughs> Those those like those escalators are super long, and those ads are like that. So you'll see the same like poster thirty times going up. But do you know what I mean? It felt like a Hanna Barbera cartoon, where you yeah, just yeah, yeah, where have like a rolling like... background over and over yeah. as a character's running or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. Well, at least it was for Wendy's and Airplane, and not the nonstop orgy that hmm. we went, which. I have, I'll say it right now. We're going to talk about the like porno scene. That was one of the funniest parts when they <laughs> show the little clip and there's two people who are engaged in sex and a third person comes in and he's like, what are you doing here? And the man says, I didn't know. Or he says, I didn't know something. And then the woman says, I've never seen you before in my life. And the third man just goes, okay, see you later. <laughs> yeah, like, no, I think he's like... <laughs> I told you not to do this. Something something like, I told you not to do this again. And the guy's like, no, you didn't. He's like, I wasn't (laughs) talking to you. He's like, oh. Then the woman's like, I've never seen you before. He's like, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Big gulps, huh? Well, see you later. That was a good scene. I liked it. Also. It was a scene in a scene. You can't call it an orgy (laughs) if it's just two people. Well, that's what I thought. I thought the third guy was going to join him. (laughs) Right? And then he just leaves. And he's like, well, okay, see you later. Should have been called not started orgy. Am I right? Well, then it would have been too similar to an American werewolf in London. Yeah. Uh, yeah Look, you're upset that one movie film title is too on the nose and the nonstop orgy was it's too, too misleading. Yeah, too off the nose. Too off the nose. <laughs> uh, yeah. The weird juxtaposition. And that's what I think the comedy was supposed to be was like, they're in the final werewolf transformation thing. 
not only is Jack there being his like sarcastic zombie self, all the like dead people are there and they are a mixture of like sort of politely waving at him or like outright hostile to him but they're delivering all this like here's how you can take your own life here's how you can like rid ourselves of the curse to the soundtrack of like porno music and (laughs) that sort of like weird head spin i was just like what does this movie want us to be these dead people are way too jovial about this it's it's a combination of things that you've never like you wouldn't expect because you've never seen them before, right? Like if you're It's true. Okay, if you're watching a pornographic movie, you're expecting everyone to be, you know, engaged in acts that make them feel good. If you're watching a horror movie, you're expecting people to be scared or dying or whatever and and then but then just the clash of a pornographic horror movie. It's mm-hmm. it's it's unexpected. It's it's like weird. It's like putting Parmesan cheese with whipped cream. I don't know. <laughs> when was the last time you did that? Yeah, I wouldn't expect I don't think that. I've ever had it before, but, you know, if, <laughs> if, we're, if we're able to watch an American werewolf in London, I can't think of a reason why we can't try Parmesan with whipped cream. I know what I'm having for supper. <laughs> okay, well, this feels probably like the right time to bring up my epiphany critique of not even this movie, and this movie isn't even... this. This is not even close to the most egregious version of this. I just thought about it in this movie. Is that yes? Please. I think I've I think I've decided what my least favorite trope in horror movies is, and mm-hmm. it's when characters go to other characters to beseech them to help them defeat some sort of monster or supernatural entity that those characters don't believe exist. And Ah, I just think it's just such a lazy, lazy way to write tension into a film, right? So when characters go, say, my neighbor is a vampire, come help me in a world where vampires don't exist or people believe vampires don't exist. I'm like, lazy writing. Come help me. I'm going to be a werewolf. I don't believe in werewolves. Lazy writing. Don't do it. (laughs) I compare it to Hereditary. I don't mind movies that have supernatural or monsters. It's the beseeching of other characters who live in a universe where they don't think that's a real thing because that adds artificial tension. Oh my gosh, our hero can't be helped. No one believes them. Well, of course they don't fucking believe them because you've set up the rules that way. So I believe in wolves. (laughs) Where? (laughs) Yeah. Right. So, but like compared to like hereditary is a movie that's ultimately about a supernatural entity or a demon, right? But that's not how the characters relate to each other. The actual like modus operandus of the film is people dealing with mystery and mental health, things that do ostensibly exist in the real world. And so like that's such and grief and things like that, which is takes more talent to pull off tension between characters to write the intricacies of real life functions, even if there is a supernatural entity in your story. Right. And I just don't like, I mean, Sinister had this where it's like, oh my gosh, it's probably a demon. Well, fuck, who's going to believe that? (laughs) Right. Like, it's too easy to me as a writer to just postulate supernatural entities that some of your characters know, but everyone else lives in the quote unquote real world where this doesn't happen. I mean, so I just don't like it. It does. It's just like, oh, boy, like that's it's it's such an easy, lowest common denominator way to create tension. No one's listening to our hero. Well, of course. Yeah, I think that's, you know, I think I agree with you. That is a very sort of first base way to like inject tension into a movie that could be done more creatively. And maybe it's a a case of like, 
you know, this song has been played so many times. Maybe we like write something else to like get the, the thought across. But also, I feel like David didn't believe he was going to be a werewolf too until like mm-hmm. like a day before it was going to happen. And yet, there was like so many. There's so many pieces of lore that led it to believe that like this was something people knew about in pop culture like he basically quotes the plot of the wolfman with like bella lugosi and lon cheney <laughs> yeah. and like talks about th- the way they solved the werewolf thing mm-hmm. in a previous movie so it's like okay so this is a universe and a, a world where they have legend and stories around the werewolf and maybe they have some evidence that there's a real one i for one have never known that the five-pointed star was supposed to ward against werewolves i feel like it's maybe not what it's for, but okay. The movie says it, it does in this one, so whatever. But yeah, the fact that people know about werewolves and he's like seeing things and getting information from a dead guy who's like, you're going to be a werewolf. And he's still just like, yeah, nah, probably not though, right? Like <laughs> until. <laughs> yeah, well, no, again, like this movie is not even the most egregious or even the top half most egregious of this type of thing. I just noticed it. It's more of a genre thing than anything this movie does right and there and we have done movies that are less tongue-in-cheek than this one that rely on that trope for a lot of its tension and that's more it's those movies that get me more i just kind of realized it watching this movie ah okay i do want to take a minute to shout out the kid with the balloons at the zoo because (laughs) i thought that was like a completely weird bonkers scene and Again, part of the more sketch show aspect of this movie because he's just like this naked man gives steals his balloons. He had great First logic. Tries to bribe him. How are you going <laughs> to steal them if you pay me two pound? Yeah, check and meet and then David. Just, then he just goes away and goes, "Mummy, an American naked man stole all my balloons," and you're just like, <laughs> "Okay, yeah." This- this movie had those kind of absurd pieces to it, which weren't grossly offensive, but and made no. me laugh at times. But it didn't add anything positive to the film, I don't think. No, it made me laugh. And then that scene culminates with him stealing the jacket off of the park bench and then waiting for the bus. And I think it's supposed to be the like he's so charged up and he's so keyed up from like being a werewolf that he has all this energy it's almost like he's he's like riding this high and he is so goofy and zany and he's wearing this very nice coat that he just steals off a bench and everyone on the bus is just oh what's this american again he's the brightest colored thing in all of london in piccadilly circus and then he gets to the apartment with alex and she's just like okay well everything's fine like he's coming home wearing only a woman's coat with like no nothing else he's got no wallet he's got no papers or anything he wouldn't have had a phone because it's 81 but like what did she think his shredded clothes on the floor was like and she just seems like she's like oh okay good thing you're back (laughs) so weird it's okay billy they love each other (laughs) they do they love each other yeah i mean maybe this movie is also really just unanalyzable (laughs) (laughs) it's unanalyzable All right, so if we are to analyze it, how does it match up to other, I guess, monster movies that we've we've seen so far? Compared to, give us like an example. Let's compare it to another great special effects movie. Let's compare it to the thing. Like the thing. Yeah. 
It's not oh. as good as the thing. <laughs> it's not even in the same <laughs> league. Well, of course not. The thing happened in Antarctica. This was in London. So very clearly, like, opposite ends of the planet. That's true, yeah. They wouldn't be playing in the same leagues at all. They'd be playing... One would be in the European League, and one would be in the Antarctic League. Like, yeah. I have to tell you about a a great meme I saw. Ooh, yes. Here's here's the part of the podcast, everyone. It was a a picture of the set of the thing with all of the characters, like at the helicopter. It's like a behind-the-scenes picture of when they were making the movie. And the caption was, we were playing Among Us way before you bitches. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I love it. I love it. But compared to the thing, this movie falls short. Like, the story of the thing is way more interesting the creeping dread the not knowing who is who is of the thing and who is like a human still and the like seeds of doubt and suspicion are way better the fact that if any one of those people spoke swedish or norwegian norwegian that they would have like understood this dog is an alien you need to kill it like and there would be no movie like <laughs> it's just like you are so close to like so yeah. close to being you know rescued or or not having to do it like like the thing is just far and away a better movie than than this one special effects wise i think they're both interesting but the thing just what they do with like the bodies and the mutations and the weird like mouths and stuff that's just like so unique that i think the thing takes it in every every instance for me anyway (laughs) the special effects of the thing are amazing but even if you removed every single effect from the thing you still have an unbelievably compelling story and if you removed every single practical effect from american werewolf in london i don't say the same thing about it (laughs) all right fair enough so now let's compare it to a different thing so not monster movie per se Mm. but let's compare it to a entity or part of some subconscious of your mind that manifests as a dead person and comes to communicate with you and warns you about things that are to come so let's compare mm, okay. a, an american werewolf in london to pet cemetery well they both had very fun regional accents that were great <laughs> i think the sassiness of a dead character giving exposition and and like being a guidance is funny and of the two of them, I think they're equal. I'd love to. I'd love to see a third entry into that sort of little side character of a, a person only, an I see dead people type of thing, and it, to see if if one can can rise above it. But I like them both. I think. Well, it's a little bit of a different comparison because I remembered not very much liking Pet Cemetery. So even if I think this movie's better than that one i don't know if i'm saying very much about it i mean this movie's funnier than pet cemetery pet cemetery might have slightly better horror elements to it but they are both vastly inferior to a christmas carol which is a much better version of somebody coming back to warn you about your deeds in the future so compared to dickens definitely not these two okay but how does it stack up to a muppet's christmas carol are you kidding that movie's classic That was awesome. The Muppets have all, like, every single classic story the Muppets have taken on to tell is so good. So enjoyable. So good. good. I guess we need to see a Muppet werewolf in London. (laughs) Then, right? Someone make that. They already got an animal. There's a trend that was going around on Twitter a while ago that was like, 
take a movie and replace all of the human actors except one with a Muppet, who do you keep? The example that I laughed out loud the most was you make Terminator a Muppet movie except for Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I think that's (laughs) hilarious. (laughs) So who do you keep human in American Werewolf in London? Uh... (laughs) My pick, Frank Oz, because he's the only one who's actually voiced a Muppet. Yeah, there you go. There you go. (laughs) Sorry. If you had a better answer, I'd love to hear it. No, I think that one takes it. There's no better answer than that. Even the porno movie. Okay, well, I think this experiment failed, which shows that you can't really compare this movie to any other movie. Sure. (laughs) I guess not. Do we have final thoughts then? I mean, we can, I guess we can kind of talk about the final act of the movie when, you know, we haven't even talked about the werewolf in in the theater. And then there's that crazy excessive amounts of cars crashing into things at the end. Like, right? I feel like the, the drivers in London in that movie or in this movie only looked directly two feet in front of them and not anything past that. So in, in a way, this was kind of like Pet Cemetery. I just checked it to confirm, but John Landis also did the 1980 movie The Blues Brothers, which also has a ridiculous <laughs> car crash at the end of it yes, where they yeah. crashed almost every police car i think in chicago they could get their hands on and so that the fact that it reminded me of the car crash in blues brothers makes sense because it was the same guy but yeah holy moly and it was way more gory than i thought there was like yeah it was it was fully run over (laughs) i guess it it was it was kind of funny right because this whole movie supposed to be really serious at Uh... times at times, like I think the the mauling part, like when the werewolf kills people, like that's that's pretty mm-hmm. serious. But then it, it's it's you you add in the porno, you add in the the dead people coming back and telling him very casually and nonchalantly how he should end his life, and then you have this seemingly worthless subplot of the doctor investigating the the place where they were attacked and being like, I've come to the that's conclusion right. that they were lying. <laughs> like no fucking shit. <laughs> And then right? you have this like just physical comedy of like people getting like of cars just hitting things, people getting run over, but then it also being very gruesome and very gory. Like I think a head pops off at one point. Mm-hmm. And well, then that's when the werewolf kills the the one investigator guy. Ah, uh, that's his, right. Like, yeah, head off. And then you just have <laughs> countless amounts of civilians wanting to see what happens and just blocking the way. No one's running away or screaming. They just all want to continue to crowd around. And then all these cops are like, get these people out of here. But they're not doing a good job about it. (laughs) Bad crowd control. Yeah, it's just, it's so weird. It's bizarre how this movie ends. And then it's, it ends on an emotional note where she like finds, where Alex finds David transformed at the end of the alley as the Mm -hmm. werewolf. And she's like, I want to help you. I love you. And then he's like, seemingly like, oh, that's going to tug at the humanity part of me, but I'm going to. Nope, I'm going to attack her. And then he gets shot and he dies. He transforms back. You see his dead body naked on the ground covered in bullets and blood. And then she cries and then bam, credits. And it's credits. like a, like yeah. an upbeat song playing. <laughs> it so was just weird. an insane roller coaster of emotions that I didn't know how to process. Yeah, truly bonkers. <laughs> truly, truly, truly bonkers. I thought it was a very fitting end to this movie. <laughs> it was poetic, right? Well, we have a jumbled mess of a movie, so we're going to have a jumbled mess of an end. 
I would say it was consistent. Yes. <laughs> I don't it know if it's called poetic. It was weird. The the fact that everybody who was like dealing with this werewolf that they've just seen kill so many people and they bring all the like SAS members in there with their guns and their things and they still let Alex push through and run down the alleyway. Like by the way, the alleyway that they're in looked like it was maybe 200 feet long and they're all like clustered at the very end and the werewolf is all the way at the dead end at the other end and they somehow managed to shoot it from that distance. And, not and Alex her. is between them. <laughs> yeah. She's standing right? in between David and all those guns and seeming, I guess they're all just insane crack shots. <laughs> so good. <laughs> this movie was bonkers, listeners. It was completely confusing, but had a fun time. Do either of you have final thoughts? I think this movie would have been way more enjoyable if we all watched it together in person. Agreed. There were times that I was just like so bored. But then there were times that I was laughing and then there were times when I was shocked. It had everything. It had the whole thing. Yeah, I was definitely on my phone a lot during this movie. I could tell you two were messaging <laughs> quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing was I was like Keep messaging. I just won't look at my phone. I was about 15 <laughs> minutes behind and I didn't want any spoilers, yeah. but I guess it wouldn't have affected anything. You really <laughs> wouldn't have been spoiled too much. I would have Again. known that there was an American werewolf in London. Sea title. Sea title. <laughs> right? Yeah, no, I mean, the truth is this movie, the only part that I think is really fun about this movie overall is getting to talk about it to the two of you. If it was just mm-hmm. on its own, I'd be like, yeah, I'd have, I, I mean, I've already forgotten most of the parts of the movie. <laughs> this okay, movie's quickly. very forgettable. <laughs> before you forget more, before the dream evaporates even more, we got to do our, yes. our scariest part of the entire movie. Mm. And it's my pick, so I'll go first. And as cheesy as it was, as contrived as it was, the dream within a dream Nazi werewolf behind the curtain, that made me jump. That was my scariest part of the movie. Luke, before you forget it, what's your scariest part of the movie? <laughs> well, Quick. I don't, I can't. Quick, <laughs> I can't actually remember what it was. But <laughs> Luke, we watched this movie. Do you remember? <laughs> <laughs> the only scary parts of this movie were jump scares. There wasn't anything scary yes. tension yeah. wise. So, whichever the first jump scare was, and I don't even remember what it was. So that one. <laughs> the werewolf on the moors, killing Maybe. poor Jack. No, but I, I that wasn't a jump scare. I knew it was coming. <laughs> That's there true, was true. some jump scare in the middle that got me. I don't remember what happened. <laughs> Damn it. We left it too long, listeners. We'll never know. It's gone. Alex, what about your serious part? Yeah, mine was the same as yours. The dream within a dream when obviously he was dreaming, but I didn't expect the second dream to be a dream. When Alex opens the curtain and just gets stabbed by a Nazi werewolf. That was surprising. And also very gruesome. Like this was just like the parts... Like, I think this was more of a comedy movie than a horror movie, but the parts where there was, like, body horror and blood and gore, it was quite shocking. It's not something I would have expected for 1981. Agreed. Well, how gory was the first Halloween movie? Because that was 78? Oh, jeez. Don't ask, I don't I ask don't me. Don't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shakedown, 1978. We, we got it. <laughs> it was in the 1970s. Like, that's true. So yeah, but I think, yeah, it was it was quite gory for the movie at the time. Alrighty. Well, I guess we should rate it then. And I get to pick what we're rating it out of. So I think I'm going to pick 
tube station vending machine machine chocolates, which is what I think that guy was buying the the businessman. So, out of five tube station vending machine chocolates, I I'm gonna give this one a three. I had fun with it. It was complete nonsense, and talking to you about it brought it up again. And I'll never watch this movie again. But I'm kind of glad I did because <laughs> I saw the cool effects. And if I ever want to see them again, as we found out when we were looking for this movie. All of the effects are on YouTube, so you can just find like transformation scene, Jack as a zombie scene. Like you can just you can just see all those, and you can skip all the boring full entire songs that have nothing to do with the plot. But still, three out of five. So, Alex, what's your score? Yeah, I'm just gonna echo what I said at the very start. Very impressed at the makeup and special effects, and I really enjoyed those parts and i was completely indifferent to everything else but it did make me laugh there's nothing grossly offensive about this movie but there's nothing that made it really good either outside of those special effects so i'm completely okay with it and i don't think i'll ever watch again but i will give it 2.5 tube vending machine tube station vending machine chocolates out of five perfect all right Luke, we watched An American Werewolf in London. You have seen this movie, so what are you rating out of? <laughs> well, again, yeah, the effects were good, the, and the prosthetics were good. I guess this movie wasn't so bad as much as it was just forgettable to me, and mm. maybe that's a version of bad, and even though there were funny parts in my heart, I felt more like I was laughing at this movie than with it, and so... That sure, doesn't sure, make sure. it feel like it was a very good kind of funny. So all of that in mind, I'm going to give this one 1. 1.5 so, uh, Subway Vending Machine Chocolates out of <laughs> five possible. All righty. Well, thank you for thank you, me, for picking this movie. I'm glad it's now in the rearview mirror and we don't have to do it for you. <laughs> so... If that's not something to cheer, this next session will blow your minds because it's a somebody to cheer section and I've got a really special one that I will go first with and it came in the form of a present that I got in the mail. By the time this comes out, it will have been already a month and we'll probably have stuff written in it, but listener Danica sent me a little <laughs> present and said, Luke, you know, you kind of signed off on this present. So I got this cool mm. notebook, this blank notebook from an etsy store called sweetgrass beads and the artist does a lot of like cool indigenous beadwork but does like pop culture stuff as well and so i got this notebook that has a picture of a bunch of her beads on it it's got like a wednesday adams a beetlejuice worm a nevermore raven from mm. edgar Allan poe like there's a dwight pumpkin head that i think is really cute <laughs> on here and i really think that heather of sweetgrass beads Great job. I really like it. I'm definitely going to be shopping there again. But if anybody wants to check it out on Instagram, it's sweetgrass underscore beads. And there's an Etsy store. So <laughs> that's my little shout out slash free advertising for sweetgrass beads. Nice. And thank you, listener Danica, for the present because it's so cool. And I can't wait to fill it with movie notes. <laughs> so many movie Did you say beads? <laughs> beads? <laughs> they don't let you have bees in here. <laughs> yes. Are beads expensive? <laughs> <laughs> Only if they're on your notebook. Beads. <laughs> yeah. Yes, thank you. Thank We're you gonna need a. <laughs> We're gonna need a lot mask. of money. We're gonna need a lot of money. <laughs> gonna need a lot of money. So join our Patreon. <laughs> All right. 
<laughs> Alex, what are you cheering? Oh, you just put food in your mouth, Alex. So, Luke, what are you cheering? <laughs> I'm going to cheer as of recording a movie I watched last night in preparation for my radio show that I record usually on Mondays. Ooh, fun. And it's a film called Men, Women, and Children, and it's the 2014 venture by Jason Reitman, who made That's such films just like as Juno. Werewolf, American Werewolf in London, right? Are there men, women, and children in this movie? <laughs> Yeah, but it's not exactly a plot-driven movie, so it's oh. fine. <laughs> okay, all right, Sorry. carry on. Jason Reitman actually is, I believe, from Montreal, and he mm-hmm. made movies like Juno and Up in the Air and Young Adult and Tully and a few other ones. Okay. And I just chose Men, Women, and Children because it's one I remember watching and wanting to talk about, and it's just this kind of like meditation on families dealing with technology and porn and infidelity and Hmm. like divorce and all of these like modern all the modern entrapments that come with technology meets like all of the vulnerabilities of humanity and yet still some of the ways that they can be overcome and it's just a really like Jason Reitman's films are just these kind of like wholesome movies about really dark things that have a more upbeat tone and not like normal beats and normal tropes. There's not like a j- big dramatic moment kind of thing, even though there, even if there is, it's kind of like felt more organically. So I don't know if either of you two have seen it, but it's just a movie I loved. And it's just this ensemble cast with like Adam Sandler and Jennifer Garner and Judy Greer is in it. So a little rest of development connection, Dean Norris, couple younger actors one of the main two girls in book smart is in it too so really just i love jason reitman films they make me feel good even when they're not always like uplifting (laughs) Ooh, sounds good men women and children good Mm -hmm. cheer good cheer so what are you cheering alex i will also cheer a movie that i watched last night i rewatched lord of the rings the two towers which in my (laughs) opinion is the best out of the three Mm-hmm. Great movie. Lots of cool stuff. Watch it. <laughs> recommend it. Highly recommend. Yeah. Lord of the Rings. The whole trilogy. But yeah, Rings. Two Towers, the best one. That's the best Do one. Do you ever? Good okay, shit. question. On that note, that's going to bring us to the end of another episode of Nothing to Fear. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> and thank you so much for joining me, Alex and Luke. If you, listener, dear listener, if you liked what you heard, please consider giving us a five star rating and review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It helps us go up in the ratings it helps people find us and if you have done that already then tell one friend to be like hey check out nothing to fear it's a cool it's a cool podcast if i can do it to my professor during office hours then you can certainly do it to one of your <laughs> friends because always be plugging <laughs> i'd also like to share ABP. ABP. if you want to hear more of my voice as well i was a guest recently it's a couple months ago now sorry for the late shout out but i was a guest on the trans connections podcast for episode four or five so you can hear me there it's a cool little podcast that interviews people in the trans community so if you want that you can get that what am i doing i'm doing credits thank you for your support Mm. listen to our shows tell people about us buy some merch on t public thank you so much to katie for the logo design thank you to madison for the daytime is safety design thank you to alex Wan for the music thank you luke and Alex for being my co-hosts and being wonderful as always. Luke, do your plugs. Where can people find you? Where can people hear your dulcet tones? Either Liberal Soul Podcast or Really True Fiction, available on all podcasting apps, as well as if you live in the Nelson area or you have access to the internet, 
you can listen at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time to Full Spectrum Cinema on Kootenai Co-op Radio, 93.5 CJLY. Love it. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. Alex, where can people find you? London? You can find me in the same place where morals are made in that town. Nowhere. They have no morals because they're like, go ahead. We know there's werewolves here, but no, we didn't send you out. Oh, but we'll go kill the werewolf. And then well, we know you're going to be a werewolf and we're not going to tell you. We're in your life. You know. You can find yeah, what what was their plan? <laughs> they didn't have morals, but they did have morals. Ooh. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we didn't, what was their plan? Just let no, them die? No plan. I don't know. They were just, just like, play maybe chess, the werewolf play darts, and drink beers, you know? Nobody makes me miss my own shot. Nobody. Also, I can't believe they didn't have soup. They didn't have they didn't soup. They didn't have any soup. But also, did you recognize no soup for the you. guy that, that missed his shot in the dartboard? I recognized him from... One of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Hmm. So the second or third one. He, he's the one that gets like killed by Davy Jones when he like tentacle rapes uh, him at the end of one. Of yes, the he's Ian Mercer. <laughs> of course. Of course. Is that the actor <laughs> name? No. No, his he's David Schofield. That's right, David Schofield. Anyway, Schofield. Anyway, you can find me as well. You can find me on Instagram. I'm at Billy Brown Design. You can find the show on Instagram at Nothing to Fear Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at NTF Pod. You can email us at Nothing to Fear Podcast at gmail.com. And I did all the other things, but we have one more week in Halloween, but not Halloween month. It's Luke's turn to pick. No, it's not. It's Alex's <laughs> turn to pick. Alex, you got two this month. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, what's your second one? My second pick for Halloween, but not Halloween month, will be 1992's Candyman. Oh! You had that idea right. for it, and Good choice. I didn't pick it until now. So we are going to watch Candyman, and it is related to Halloween, because there are men that give candy at Halloween. <laughs> you know, candy, candy gets given out at Halloween. You know, I was going to pick Candyman, but I thought it was slashery. So I was like, we did two slashers. Let's do a werewolf one. But yes, Candyman. That was actually my second... That was on the list for this Also, one. like the, the I don't know, is it a remake or a sequel? It came out like, what, a month ago? So mm-hmm. maybe there spark some a... reinterest in this franchise? Yes, yes, yes. There is a 2021 remake that has Jordan Peele attached to it, too. So, and yeah, it's yeah, pretty highly rated, second. too. Like, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Cool. cool. Anyway, cool. cool. We're, we are not watching that one next week. We're watching the 1992 original Candyman. So, all right. I have a thing to say now. Okay, well, thanks for listening, everyone. Remember, they're just movies. There's nothing to fear. <laughs> do you feel like the Ents just had an orthankless job to do? Ooh. <laughs> Maybe you should go back to sleep, old man Willow. That was very durable. Hey, you should have been on your Isengard. Hey, did you throw that pass? Nah, she love. <laughs> hey, you need to Christopher leave me alone. <laughs> Listen, these are some bad hobbits we're getting into. We need to break them. <laughs> hey, quit your bad hobbits. <laughs> All right. Okay. Hi, listeners. Billy jumping in here right at the very end to let you know that there is another way you can support Nothing to Fear. If you really like the show, I would love it if you would consider going over to our new, a brand new Patreon page and subscribing. We will never put the regular episodes behind a paywall, so you don't have to worry about that. But if you'd like to chuck in a buck every month and help the show keep going, 
um, you can do that now over on our Patreon. So just head over to Patreon, look for Nothing to Fear, and you should be able to do that. There's no tiers, a minimum the suggested donation is $1 per month. If you can spare it, we'd love to have your support. It helps us sort of pay for the movies, helps us keep things going. And we will be providing some cool little bonus blog posts and posts over there if you're interested. So have a think about it. And if you would love to donate, not donate, if you'd love to, if you'd love to support the show, any amount, minimum $1 really helps us out. We love you forever. And we can't wait to see you over there because there's already some cool stuff up. So think about it and enjoy the rest of your day.